Today, we're going to be talking about uh, the fight against apathy in our culture. Uh, it's in our culture. It's in us as people. If we're not careful, it's it's in uh, the church. And so we need to be aware of it, and we need to maintain a type of attitude that takes the things of God in earnest. And so that is what we're going to be talking about, and that's coming at you right now. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. His kingdom's sure increase. Well, here we are. <laughs> and uh, one, of the, one of the sections of scripture that we'd like to look into about this topic is uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 3 through 19. And so I'm just going to read it through here. And this will kind of give us a, a basis from which we're going to pull and just kind of talk about this idea of apathy. Uh, and then it says, I'm, I'm breaking in the middle of something. So it says, and said unto him, <laughs> art thou he that should come or do we look for another? This is John the Baptist asking about whether or not Jesus is the Messiah. So art thou he that should come or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and shew John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? What went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear uh, soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding. He that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, but whereunto shall I liken this generation? Here's the apathy thing kind coming mm. in again. It is likened to children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and you've not danced. We've mourned unto you, and you've not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath a devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified Wow, children. So here you find... First of all, a rugged man like John the Baptist, right. he took uh, this very seriously. Of course, he was the forerunner of Christ, but he right. took this very seriously. And now he's in jail and he's asking a bunch of questions. Is this is this the guy who was supposed to come? Like, are you really the Messiah? I, I'm kind of confused now because everything seems to be going backwards than what I thought. He was probably looking for the political Showed revolutionary. how human he was. Yeah, exactly. Very much so. And so here he's there. And then Jesus gives kind of some comforting words. Go tell him what's happening. So those were the, the prophecies about, you know, healings and certain things that had taken place. Go tell him. And then he turns around to the crowd and he's talking to them kind of about this whole issue of apathy as well. What did you come out here to see? 
Did you come out here to see a, a guy just speak some nice little words to you? Did you come out to see a man dressed well, in nice clothes? You know, <laughs> this guy's a prophet. It's not out here for nice clothes. You can find that in the king's courts. This man's different. And then he talks about how the kingdom of heaven uh, from the days of John the Baptist until that present time was suffering violence and the violence take it by force. And he's preaching this message to this crowd of people that seem to be given to something of a fickleness and a distraction. Right. And then when he gets to the other side, he shows there's some of you that are all upset because I'm. it's like you're little kids. I, I won't play your game. You're playing house and somebody gets wow. hurt and I won't cry about it. Or we're singing songs and doing all this and then we're not. Uh, it's either you're too serious or you're not serious enough. Either way, they're displeased with right. the whole thing. And the answer is hidden, I think, in that verse right there. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. So my first question then is, Wow, what is that? What's violence? What is he? What is he talking about? Well, we also know that Jesus was a man of peace. We know that we're supposed to love our enemies, so we know it's not uh, something that we would associate with uh, Islamic terrorists or even uh, Christian. Uh, people in the Middle Ages that would go on crusades, but there's something that he's trying to get at in people, I think especially men, that there is a, an intensity and a commitment of heart that drives somebody to put the kingdom of heaven first, and they do everything they can with the ability that they have, with the gifts that God has given to them to see that kingdom go forward. And they lay hold upon it, in a sense, by, by making it the number one priority in their lives. Amen. You know, I was... Uh... I heard, I believe this was Jordan Peterson. It's mm. probably an interview. I can't remember who it was. But Jordan Peterson said, men need to realize that they are dangerous, that they are capable of terrific wow. danger. And he said when they realize that, they can channel it for good ends. Interesting. And, and he had talked about, I, I think this is Carl Jung. He, he references him a lot. And guy's not a Christian. But interesting imagery. He said there is the shadow part of a human being which I guess, you know, we could say is that depraved part of a, of a person. Okay. And so he said, when you realize that that is at the base of you, then you can kind of look that square in the face, see the capability of danger, but you can channel that danger in a good way. And I was just thinking about that when it says, you know, that the kingdom of heaven suffered violence. We're, we're in a culture right now where it's, it's a shame to be a man, you know, uh, and if, if anybody shows any kind of aggressive movement in any direction, right, right. it's, it's just kind of squashed where here it is being praised. We're not talking about violence in the sense that you're causing harm to people for no reason. The idea of violence is just like you said, right. an intensity, a focused application towards the kingdom of God and putting all of your powers and efforts toward it. And when a man realizes you have that natural aggression, God has given it to you for a reason. Yeah. And until you aim that towards the kingdom of God, you're probably, I mean, you're just wasting well, if all you're, of it. You know, if you're paying any attention to what's happening in the, the church world today, you know that men are not coming out to church, that a lot of churches are dominated by women. A lot of the activities that go on in church are activities that are more geared towards ladies. Yep. And uh, it just seems like men are not being challenged. And, uh, you know, more and more in our society, it seems like there is a war against men and Definitely. against those masculine uh, characteristics that the Bible's talking about and the Lord's talking about here. And yet through it all, Jesus is saying this is a big deal, and if Jesus is saying it's a big deal, I think we ought to 
take a look again and say, why aren't we making it a big deal? Yeah, definitely. So here, we can't remove these things that are being said from the scriptural context. Jesus is using that verse to light the fire underneath these people to be more serious, yeah. to be more aggressive, to be going forward, to be, well, with violence, like you're storming the gates yeah. of, of a city, of a castle, and he's saying that's what needs to happen for the kingdom of God. You know, when I was a kid, we started going to church again when I was a senior in high school, and, um, you know, I, God had been dealing with me, and I was thinking about the things of God, and yet in my public high school, I don't know of a single fella in my class of 230, 240, whatever it was, that was a professing evangelical Christian. There were a couple girls, whether they were saved or not, I would highly doubt it looking back upon it. But when we started going to the, the Bible-believing church that my dad took us to, he'd gone there for a while when he was growing up, um, they tried to get me into the church youth group with uh, board games, with rock music, uh, talking about the girls that were there. There was nothing of a spiritual nature to challenge me. I went off to secular college. I began to seek the Lord, and there were some boys there that had been converted from deep sin. Some of them had been football players. And, you know, whatever these guys didn't get, they did get the idea of zeal. And yeah. there was something about that, brother, that just it, it caught me. It, it, it inspired me. And I can remember in a prayer meeting when I saw that verse that we're talking about for the first time. And it's like something clicked with me because I'd always felt like I didn't fit into the church thing because I, I love the war movies. I love the violent stuff. I love sports. I loved all that kind of stuff. And I felt like, you know, I, I want to get saved. I want to serve the Lord, but maybe I don't fit in. I saw that verse and it's like something clicked. God wants to change my nature in such a way that he can set me in that direction. He wants me to do with all of my heart and I can be part of this. Yeah. Amen. And it did something for me. Amen. Well, it's worthy of note. Okay. We're talking about the violence aspect. But it's worthy of note that the way Jesus is first applying this is he's talking about people that need to enter uh, the mm. kingdom. And he said, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Amen. Now, there's a lot of different things that people can say about uh, the kingdom necessarily. But what I would say here is specifically he's talking about in this in this particular area, those people that have entered into that experience with God where now they are a child of God, they're a soldier in the yeah. Lord's army, that kind of a thing. He said there are there are literally people knocking the doors down to get wow. in. Wow. And it's because wow. there's something inside of the kingdom of God that's worth fighting for. Right. And men men, yeah. It's a cause they're worth yeah. that they're ready to fight for. I mean it's just like any time you see when war comes to your native soil, something happens inside of a man and says, "This cause is important. Yeah. We want you know." They're not they're not waiting for people to hunt them down. They're going off to sign up. You know, sign in normal me up, conditions, fighting. they yeah. are normal conditions. Normal men, they are. Yeah. So that's kind of the concept here that Jesus is portraying. But it's interesting. I, I guess we we need to realize that this whole thing. It does, it does spill out to the outside, obviously. How do you know that people are in earnest unless you see some kind of earnestness in them? Right. But we need to realize that where this all comes from is the heart. So it begins in the heart. So apathy, that begins in the heart. But so also does this desire, this violence he's asking for us to pursue the kingdom of heaven, this aggressive, zealous um, pursuit of the kingdom of God and whatever that means. 
that starts in the heart. And when we realize that, that will help us in the battle here. So seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Yeah. I remember singing that as a little kid, I think in a wanna class when I was a little guy, you know, but that's so true. Seek first, got to put God first. And you look at just the normal way people, especially men, and we're talking about men here in particular, the way they treat things that they love. Their golf game. If a guy yep. loves golf, he's going to be out there two, three times a week if he can afford it. He's going to get that job, you know, making one hundred and fifty thousand dollars if he needs to support his golf habit. Yeah, you know, yeah. so he gets good the hunting trip. They're going to yep. go out to Montana or Wyoming so they can go after elk or bear or whatever yep. they want to get. They're gonna they're gonna give it all that they have. And God wants men in the church, not just preachers, but just good, consecrated, sanctified laymen to put God first. And that's, that, that's where we're missing it in the American church. You know, I've, yeah. I've heard stories about overseas where, whether it be Africa or South America or Asia, you know, men are leading the way they're seeking God, but for whatever reason, whatever reason, you know, guys can spend all day at state college watching Penn state play football. I mean, they give it every for that or Ohio state or Georgia or whoever, but we just can't yeah. give God our hearts. Yeah. Well, and you know, this is one of the things, I mean, this is really where we are in American culture and God help us because we, I mean, we're not immune from it. You know, we have to be oh, wide awake yeah. to know that this can be an attack on us as people, as men. But I, I do want to just say this too. Oftentimes, you know, you he were talking about um, things being like, okay, I, I want to go to the game. I want to see, um, you know, Penn state, Ohio state, Georgia, wherever I, I'm all about the game. I'm all about the game. And you know, maybe sometimes we have a little pang of conscience, like, you know what, I really should be focusing on God, on the kingdom of God. Maybe some people that are Christians feel that way, but then they look around and they're like, well, nobody else. Bob's a Christian and so's Frank and so's Joe. And, right. and then I, I got confidence in them and here they are doing all this. So I, I, I just want to say, do not look for the lowest <laughs> common denominator right. and then settle there. Rather, be challenged by those people that were bright lights in Christian history. Right. That's what uh you know my brother Dave has said so many times too. I've I've uh I would read somebody <laughs> like Finney and and some of these uh like the Methodist circuit riders and certain ones like that. And instead of it being an encouragement to me, it discouraged me because I thought I'm not even a, a tenth the caliber of these men. And then you know Dave would say <laughs> to me, oh, don't look at it like that. Look at it like stirring you up Absolutely, to take one bro. step higher. Lord, help us. And if we can surround ourselves with people like that that are living, and if we can't find those, get your – I mean, it should be both anyways, but definitely go get books, read yeah. those kind of things, get the heart stirred up so that you can have this violent pursuit of the kingdom. Well, I'll give you an example from the secular world. I've, I mentioned before I loved baseball. There was a fellow that was a tremendous baseball player. Uh, well, he was, he was very good, but he was very highly touted when I was in high school. His name was Greg Jeffries. And Greg Jeffries was just an average-sized fellow, probably about 5'11", 185, was just normal-sized guy. But he would work and he would work. And uh, there was an article in a, a sports magazine about him where when he was in high school, or even after high school, he would spend like 10 hours a day training for baseball. He would go into a pool. And he would take a bat underwater, and he would use left. He was a switch hitter, bad left hand and right hand. He'd take fifty swings underwater, left handed, wow. fifty that way. He keep doing that, then he would get an iron pole, do the same thing. So what is what is old, you know, now preacher Dave? I mean, when I was back in high school, I did the same thing. I went to a neighbor's pool, did the same. Did, what didn't even think about it. Other, I know other guys did the same thing. You know, working and just striving. You know, so when I got saved. 
I looked for people, even if I didn't see them around me, I found them in church history that kind of had the same spirit as that baseball player. And I said, you know what? I'm going to look at those guys. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus, but I'm also going to look at Leonard Ravenhill. I'm going to look at Tozer. I'm going to look at Finney. I'm going to look at Peter Cartwright and Francis Asbury and Hudson Taylor and John Praying Hyde. And in a sense, uh, you know, I appreciate the fellowship I have with good brethren now. But if I don't have anybody around me right now, I can look to those guys yeah. as my cloud of witnesses and say they did it that way. Amen. And I know I'm not going to reach their level, but I'm going to do my dead level best to move in that direction. Amen. Amen. And so let that be an encouragement to stir up the heart. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that I need it. I need it myself. I know? haven't done that thing in the pool for a long time, brother. You know, <laughs> I was probably 19 or 20 getting in the pool with a baseball bat yeah. like that. But hey, it does work. It did help me. But. You know, Amen. I've moved past that. I haven't played right. ball in a while. <laughs> well, let, hopefully we can take that, like uh, like Dave's saying, into the spiritual realm, that's, you know, do it do. that way, right? <laughs> well, the first fight against apathy that we have to face is if you're not in the kingdom of God, if you're not one of his children, if you're not a soldier, and this is really the immediate application Jesus was making, if you're not there, then the first fight is against apathy is get saved. Absolutely. You need to get saved. You That's a big to. message today because we have a lot of people that are just, yeah, they're not really in. Yeah. And are strive to enter in. Definitely. The straight or narrow gate. So if you're not in the kingdom, then there can't there can't be anything more done. You've got you've to gotta enter. You've got to enlist. You know, That's where you've got to go Absolutely. first. Absolutely. So why, why is there trouble with apathy about entering in? I think sometimes what happens is some people, they get a, uh, they get kind of a glimpse of what should be and where they are now and how there's a huge disconnect and their, their conscience starts to be troubled. You know, they feel like, you know, I've got to step up. I've got to, I got to seek after God. I've met a lot of people on the street. They're like, man, I keep feeling like I got to get back to church. Well, I got to get back to church. The problem is there's that that always that temptation to apathy and where does it come from? I, I would say some of the things that we can look at is, you know, your coworkers, your family, right. your friends, even the church sometimes. It's like when you're trying to take things in earnest, there's there's loads of right. things around us that are pulling at our attention, trying to drag us down. I'd simply say if you start to feel in your heart that desire to storm the gates of heaven and go forward you're going to have to start lopping things off in your life so that you can keep your focus in the right place. Well, let's see, it's tricky too, because you know, you want to ignore people and you, you, in the right sense, you don't want to let them influence you to cool you off. Yeah. But at the same point, you don't want to get a bad spirit about it Definitely. and be all nasty towards them. So you got, you really need to let the Lord work in your heart there, but just keep pressing ahead. Amen. And you've got to, you know, in this, in this day, it's like I, I've talked with some people before too, and they've said, you know, um, I, I've tried to get saved. It doesn't work. And, you know, these kind of things. And the problem is, is because sometimes people have a real genuine conviction. And what happens is and with this genuine conviction, they go and they try to seek God. And then when it seems like they're, you know, maybe, maybe a guy, a grown man starts weeping over his sins. Then people say, oh, buddy, you know, hey, it's not so bad. You know, you're not so, just look up and Jesus saves. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. And the problem is, is that man knows that something still isn't right. right. So, I mean, what I would say to you is if you're going to storm the gates of, of or the kingdom of God, the gates of heaven, so to speak, and you're going to enter in, you can't settle for anything less than the witness of God's spirit to your own spirit that you're a child of God. You've got to keep pressing no matter what 
what anybody else says. Don't let somebody pat you on the back and say it happened. You've got to know it happened. That's the that's the violent, aggressive, zealous point that Jesus is trying to make. You are storming it in. You're going to make the entrance. Nothing's right. going to stop you. I think part of that is taking the time and being disciplined enough that if you are blessed with good literature or a good pastor to actually understand the concept so you know what you're seeking for it's not just a violent rush of emotion yeah. but it's it's a a pursuit of truth a pursuit of the lord jesus based upon uh, the facts of truth that he's revealed to us so if we understand that the uh, you know the conditions of salvation repentance and faith we understand what god's looking for so that we can turn and trust with all of our heart and when we do that we can have a satisfying experience yeah. in the lord but uh, it is you know it's not just all emotion it is stinking it out understanding applying ourselves because then we'll know how to walk and we'll walk successfully yeah definitely and planning I, uh, yeah definitely and I would say, you know, to to people that perhaps you think, well, how what does that even look like? I mean, what is even the mechanics of it? The best thing that I can think of at times is when you really don't know who God is, but you're wondering, you know, you, you feel kind of this draw in this direction. What's my next step? How do I proceed from here? One of the things that I would say for people personally is you are going to have this highest sense of oughtness. You know, it's going to be like, I really ought to, and fill in the blank. And yeah. there's going to be probably some focal point there. And so what I would say to anybody who's who's confused and doesn't know where to go, God's going to deal with you probably one step at a time, and you're going to just walk in that light of obedience, and he's going to lead yeah. you straight in, and you're going to be able to find, even if you feel like it's, you know, well, what church do I go to? I don't have anything. I don't have... Right. You can enter in and, you know, basically look for that highest sense of oughtness. It's the spirit of God working in your conscience to help you know the next step. Well, I think part of it, too, is also um, sacrificing time. Yeah, definitely. And, and just saying, I'm going to set aside time that I wouldn't normally set aside time to seek God. And that's a big deal um, yeah. in our society. I may have used this example before. I don't know if I have. But Paul Rader was a preacher in the early 20th century. He actually was the second head of the Christian Missionary Alliance okay. after Simpson. And Paul Rader... <clears throat> was raised a Methodist. His dad was a preacher. And as a young man, he had gotten saved and he started to preach. And he was on fire for God as a young man, his late teens, and God was using him to win souls. And then he went to a Methodist college around probably 1900, maybe a little bit before then. And they had already started going the wrong direction. And he fell into modernism and skepticism. And he became a very formal, modernistic preacher. And his heart wasn't even in it. He was a massive man. He was a tremendous athlete. He was a boxer. He's actually one of the best boxers in America. And he was a good at business. He had all sorts of skills. And, you know, and he really, the last thing he wanted to do was preach because his heart wasn't in it. Sure. And there came a point that right before he made a big business deal, he felt like God dealt with him and God spoke to him and said, if you obey me, I'll give you a message. Wow. And uh, he locked himself in a hotel room in New York City for like three days and God dealt with him about his sins, and God dealt with him about the sin in his heart, and even about God's promise to touch him physically. And after about three days in the hotel room, he came out of there like a ball of fire. Wow. On fire for God. God began opening doors. God led him into the old missionary alliance, and uh, he was actually mentored by uh, E.D. Whiteside, the praying man of Pittsburgh, for a couple years. And then God opened door after door after door, and when Simpson died, for about four years, he was the head after Brother Simpson went to heaven. But th that that intensity is what we're talking about. 
Yeah, that's a super important point. I guess uh, now that you you know when you put it in that light, if you don't give God time, you're not going to make any progress whatsoever. Yeah. So it's really important give Him that time so that you can seek, so that He can speak to you on yeah. your own heart. And you know you also need to guide your mind, guide your heart. Because we're in a world that, uh, as a songwriter said, is no friend to grace. So Absolutely. You, you've got media that's pummeling things in your mind and telling you what to believe. You've got talking heads. You've got professionals even that say they're maybe professional preachers in the churches or whatever. And I'm not you need you, you need preachers. You right. need those Fellowship. people. That's right. the way God has intended things to be. But oftentimes there's all these people that will step in and tell you what to do when God is telling you probably very specifically what your next step is. And like he said, if you obey me to that man, I will give you a message. Well, God may be saying to you, if you just obey me, I'm going to lead you into the light and I'm going to give you a satisfying experience in God and I will free you from your sin. Amen. So that first fight uh, against apathy is fighting to enter the kingdom. But then there's also another fight and the other fight is for the Christian, and that fight against apathy is to be filled with the Spirit. Yeah, I mean, we find inside of First uh, Corinthians, you find that he said, "Are you yet carnal?" You know, he found that these people were saved. He called them babes in Christ, but he's they were slipping back there. Their spiritual focus was so low. And then same in Galatians, he said, "Who hath bewitched you?" You know, you entered in by the Spirit, and now you're trying yeah. to just fulfill all of this just simply by the works of your own human flesh, and you're not depending on the Spirit anymore there's a reason why in ephesians it says to be filled with the spirit a of command god and the command, great, yeah. yeah and so that fight against apathy for the christian is don't just be saved and experience back there but now that violence that zeal that aggression in the kingdom of god is to be filled with the spirit so Amen. kind of the idea of jacob i will not wow. let thee go except thou bless me if we don't have that that kind of a heart then it's doubtless that we'll ever be filled with the Spirit of God. But when somebody has that heart, I will I will not let you go, Lord, until you bless me. When somebody has that going, that intensity in there, you're not far from having that, that experience. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness, yeah. for they shall be filled. And that is, I mean, that is just a key. And uh, a person could make a lot of mistakes with their head, but if they have that kind of hunger, God's going to balance them out and lead them and help them to overcome their weaknesses. But if you don't have that hunger, you just can't really do a whole lot for God, and God can't really use you yeah. much. But that, that once again, you know, not to be negative, but that is the biggest thing in America, a lack of hunger for God. You know, I've yeah. pastored for 21 years now, small churches, and... Uh, you know, that that is the thing. If you can find somebody who's hungry for God and they, they want to apply themselves and they want to get in the word and they want to learn how to pray, yeah, you've got a gem on your hand because that's mm -hmm. a rare thing. But that's Amen. what God wants. And if we as Christians aren't in an atmosphere or, or if our heart isn't this way or the church you're in, the atmosphere you're in, isn't that people are on the stretch out after God and want more of him and want to seek his face, want to be filled with the spirit. Is it any wonder that the churches are as powerless as it seems and as messy as it seems? I mean, I'm speaking to my, my own well, heart Lord as help well, us Lord all. help us, but um, we need to we need to seek that fullness of the spirit. If, I mean, when you look inside of the scripture, there is such a marked difference with the disciples before the day of Pentecost and after when they were filled with the spirit. 
you know, Peter had a zeal before, but the, the zeal after Pentecost was entirely different. It was a zeal of love, but it was also a zeal, just a power, you know, a divine power. And then you watch what the church did in the book of Acts. And I mean, you didn't have to try and pull teeth to get them to do anything. There was God was inside those people and he was having his full way. And we can't we can't stop short of that. And I just want to say this, too. There's so much there's so much to be said. There's so many people that are naysayers within the evangelical world that would just say, oh, that's you know, you're filled with the spirit after you're saved, uh, you know, when you're saved or something like that. And, you know, there's no need to do that. There, I don't find that anywhere in the scriptures. You know, salvation is everything and all that. I just would challenge you, just push the naysayers back. When you know there's a lack inside and you know that God can fill that lack, forget what the others are saying. Read people like what my brother said, Tozer, Ravenhill, right. Moody, uh, R.A. Torrey. And these are people that are closer to our times. God brought them to that very right. point, and then when they surrendered, they were brought into a sphere of eminent usefulness to the kingdom of God. I know there's a lot of flakiness in a lot of what is called spirit-filled Christianity. We yeah. we understand that, but at the same point, you know, in the book of Ephesians, he's writing to these people, and he said that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Yeah, and I I don't believe that you're filled when you're saved, but even if theoretically you believe that. He's still saying you need to get filled more. So it seems to me the people that, that are so against the idea of being filled after conversion, they don't know how to deal with scriptures like that because the idea is, you know, God wants us filled. And it seems like from Ephesians 5.18, it should happen again and again and again. And there's such a a powerlessness in the American church. And it, and it goes back to this, you know, the crazy ideas about the spirit and then completely neglecting the spirit. Yeah. But we've got to have a heart that says, I want everything God has for me and I'm going to fight for it by submitting myself to God, by confessing on myself. And yep. Jacob, what did Jacob have to do before he turned into a prince with God? He had to confess that he was a deceiver. Yeah. A supplanter. Yeah. yeah. He had to look inside and see those fleshly tendencies call them what they are and then god had mercy on them and then god changed jacob's name Nature. he said no longer are you going to be called jacob which meant the deceiver healed yeah. prosper supplanter now you'll be called israel a prince with god and that can be any any of our experience if we if we seek Absol after god I just mean, like him in the flesh esau was a cool dude yeah i mean esau was the <laughs> guy we'd want to hang around i yeah. mean he just seemed like the kind of He's guy that buddy uh, yeah the hunting buddy <laughs> go you know golfing with them whatever you know yeah. just the guy you want to hang out with but there was something in jacob as as strange as he was as deceitful as he was as, as hairy as he was uh, yeah all the things he had <laughs> going wrong against him you know he had a heart that wanted to know god and god was able to draw that out and bring him to a place of blessing amen amen so there's uh, hope for jacobs out there there is hope for jacobs and, and even esau's if they're willing to seek god true true so the fight against apathy we got to enter the kingdom after we enter the kingdom we've got to be with violence seeking that filling of the spirit not allowing things to get in the way of that heart's desire but then even after one is filled with the Spirit, and you've been uh, alluding to this to some degree, the fight against apathy is to then maintain that fullness, to maintain When it. you brought that point up, I had a story that came to my mind. Go ahead. And I didn't even plan this out, but I thought about that testimony from Leonard Ravenhill where he talked about the, the black brother from South Africa, William Duma, Yep, and uh, had a lot going against him, but he had such a heart for God that, and I know not everybody can do this, he took like 21 days out 
of his life after he'd been converted. And he sought God with prayer and fasting, and God came upon him and filled him up and Praise turned God. him into a mighty preacher of the Lord. But Ravenhill said it wasn't just a one-time thing, that he felt it on his heart. He needed to go every year, say goodbye to his wife, his kids, his church. And uh, he went off, I think, even for 21 days and just used that time to uh, to focus on God and get a, a fresh touch from the Lord. Now, you know, I'm not. That would be difficult to do, but I do know of pastors that will go off for three days or five days or whatever it takes just to seek the Lord at the beginning of the year or at some point in the middle of the year. Yeah, it's good. And re, as I think Ravenhill would say, renew their anointing. You know, just make sure everything's on the altar and get that fresh infilling of God's spirit. Yeah, and we need that, and we've got to have a zeal for it. Yeah, Amen. And you know, part of the, I guess, part of the way in maintaining that fullness is when you realize that you've leaked out right you know when you realize that things aren't in tip-top shape at the moment it doesn't mean you've backslidden and turned your back on god and all that it doesn't mean that but i mean the nature of a fire is when you don't feed it it goes out right and sometimes it's not even just like purposeful um sin or neglect yeah. or whatever it's just life like you're saying you know you're busy you've weary. got so many things to do you're weary all that kind of stuff so it is helpful for us to realize that there is that maintenance. We need to have the power of God in our lives afresh. And one of the things like you were talking about, I've got this in our notes is, um, you know, uh, that prayer life, you know, indispensable. We've got to, we've got to spend time reading God's word, allowing God to speak to us through that praying over whatever things, excuse me, God is speaking to us about. Um, this thing's got a mind of its own, huh? <laughs> I was trying to attack you there, brother. So, um, We've got to have those times of prayer. And, you know, I, I guess what I would say is it, it's whatever whatever it needs to be for you, however that needs to be. I, I, re I read about, I think it was Oswald Chambers, his wife. Uh, there's a book, and I cannot remember what it is, but I think it's for every day of the year. It's Oswald Chambers' prayers. Now, I don't think it's all of them, but Oswald Chambers wrote his prayers out, which seems kind of strange but what he he called it mental wool gathering he said sometimes <laughs> you get to the place of prayer and he said things can be so distracting that's whatever. interesting he said i didn't want to rush into god's presence and just start you just all the stuff out he said i really wanted to think deeply about the needs i had the that's needs of god's kingdom and of his work now that doesn't mean the guy definitely prayed you know without writing things down but he it, it seemed like when he had that alone time with god that's what he did and it, it, it like burned in the requests that That's he had good. made to god in his mind in such a way not very typical but i guess what i'm saying to you is do whatever it takes to maintain a connection with god that prayer life and if it's got to be like that do it i just read a little booklet that i have by spurgeon and i like spurgeon i don't like his five-point calvinism sure but i respect spurgeon and it was spurgeon on prayer and he just talked about the idea of before you actually open your mouth to god in prayer you know it's almost like you you picture yourself in a courtroom and you you i mean not that it's all about formality but there was a formality and a fervency combined together and spurgeon had a way with words but the yeah, way he, he described going before the throne and pressing your cause i read that a, a, again about a week ago and it really blessed me and i thought to myself if we were more intelligent in the place of prayer and i, I believe in fervency I, I believe in the right kind of emotion but if we kind of planned it out and thought it out and had the scripture backing and used the scriptures as we sought God, 
you know, Spurgeon said there was a blessing to praying like that, and I believe that. Oh, definitely. I, I believe that. You know, I saw or I read about, I think it was D.L. Moody, he started to feel like there was a diminution of power in his life, mm. and he was like, what in the world's going on? So he goes to God in prayer, and he says, I feel like my prayers aren't even getting answered, Lord. Oh, I don't wow. know what's going on. What do I need to do? And then he reads the Bible verse that says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And he said, there's my answer. Interesting. So then he decided to get up earlier, about four o'clock every morning, and spend, from what I remember, at least three to four hours reading Moody. his Bible and praying. Isn't that something? And he said it didn't hardly take that much time for faith to then automatically just be wow. increased. Praise because God. I was basing it off of the word of God. And then he said, I think it was R.A. Torrey went to his house once and he said it was very early. Moody had gotten <laughs> up before Torrey and then Torrey's, you know, off sleeping in his room and he hears a knock on the door and the, he gets up and says, what is it? And Moody uh, says, Tori, come here. I have to show you a treasure. And he has his Bible yeah. open and uh, gives him some fresh promise or something that God had just given him that morning. And then Ari Tori went and joined him in there praying That's together good. over whatever this promise was. You can't, I mean, you, you look at the fruit of what Moody had done. You can't argue with it. God definitely used that. And he kept the fire burning. Well, you know, the Lord talked about the children of this world are wiser than the children of light. And I think of people in, in the world, like the fitness world or something, or the sports world, they will know like what they can eat and what they can't eat. They will know like what, what they have to do in terms of a workout. They, they have it all analyzed, people in the financial yeah. world. You know, in the spiritual world, we should apply the same principles. We Good should point. understand like, you know, this is what happens to me and this is what I need to do to revive myself. Like, for example, a couple of weeks ago at a church in our group, one of my favorite preachers was going to be there, Adam Buckler, and we had talked about going hour and 15 for the revival. But, I, you know, it was like a Saturday night, and I was a little weary. My wife was a little weary. But our 11-year-old girl who got saved yeah. about a year and a half ago, she just really wanted to go. Praise God. So if it hadn't been for her, I don't a super spiritual dad uh, would have just stayed home and got ready for the next day at church. But she convinced us to go, and that service was wonderful. Praise God. It blessed me. God did something there that night because you know we, we applied ourselves. We got ourselves under a good preacher in a good atmosphere. Praise God. And uh, it's not all what you do by yourself alone. That's part of it. But you also have to know where you need to go and what you need to do in the midst of a group context, a good service, a great preacher, yeah, that stirs you up too. And, and, you know, we need that atmosphere. But I think, you know, maybe in some of those times in those atmospheres, it's, it's kind of like God speaks to you in a different way than if you were just by yourself. Yeah. I know I've had many moments like that where it just felt like clarity came, probably about something That's I've been good. praying about or even some kind of vision or direction that God had for me that maybe I had been wrestling with. What am I supposed to do about this, Lord? Where do you want me to go with this? What am I supposed to be doing? You know, I'm, all these kind of things, Lord, I want to do the right thing. I just am lost in this mix right in the moment. I don't know what to do about it. And then you go to one of those atmospheres. It does some. God speaks. And that that that's one of the other points of prayer is we don't want to just have personal prayer, which we need that, but achieving faith. Mm. And to maintaining that fullness of the spirit, we spend that time in prayer. And I believe God starts working in our hearts in that way of achieving faith. And um, that 
that takes intentional effort. It takes that that aggressive, zealous desire, as as we were saying, hearing Jesus say, "The kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force." Well, I think also in our culture and the church world, and just a secular culture with all the stuff that's going on that's so bad and so negative and so discouraging, people just so many good people are so overwhelmed and they don't know how to get out of that uh, that pit of despair. Yeah. And so what we're talking about here is very practical. Like God doesn't want us there. God wants us full of faith. God wants us to conquer for him. But we have to learn his principles and we need to keep fighting until we get to a place of victory where we're shutting these things out. We know what we need to do uh, to, to be victorious in our souls and that victory carries out in such a way that we affect others for good. Praise God. I believe that. Amen. Also, another thing to help us in that fight against apathy, after we've even initially been filled with the Spirit and in maintaining that fullness, we need to make it a habit of soul to heed the voice of the Spirit and not grieve Him. Amen. So we have to get a, a, sensitive, a sensitivity inside of our hearts so that we're not just kind of willy-nilly going all over the place right. doing things we think He wants us to do, but we're slowing down and saying, Lord... I want to hear your voice. What do you want me to do? Because if I if I'm going to walk in step with the Spirit, I'm going to have the power of the Spirit uh, available to me. But if you know, it says except two walk together uh, or can what is it? Except they be oh, it's Amos three two, and I can't think it. Except they be can two walk together, except they be agreed. Right, right. Um, so we need to agree with the Spirit, and I, I believe it was F. B. Meyer. I, I can't remember which book this was. But he had talked about that. He said, oftentimes I have been so confused saying, Lord, I need your power. I need your power as if the Lord was going to take it and hand it to me. And then he said, the Lord just revealed to him, you can have my power if you work with me. Mm. And so as he wow. that shifted in his mind, he started to then seek out the Lord and find what the Lord was doing. And he said, once I did that and I aligned with the Lord, he said, the power of God was always there, always, you know, whether he was preaching, whether he's witnessing, whether he's praying, whatever it was, he found the power of God was always there because he was walking with him you know, and whatever was going on. How about that? You know, and the thing is, it's, it's little checks of the spirit. Yeah. You know, it's little things. You know, when I was a young Christian, one of the fellows I would listen to a lot was David Wilkerson. And, uh, you know, I like David Wilkerson. Maybe a couple things I disagree with. But, uh, you know, he just talked about, um, you know, even how God dealt with him about the TV. And, uh, yeah, you point. know, just how, you know, I think as a young pastor, he would spend his evenings just watching tv and god dealt with him about it and he spent that time praying, praying yeah and uh you know it was after that that he felt he was called to new york city to, to work for the lord with the, wow. the, the gangs and stuff so i mean you just obey god in a little way god begins to take you deeper and maybe open up doors that wouldn't be opened if you were still over here disobeying good point one small point of obedience and look at look at the the flood of kingdom expansion can happen through one point of obedience. Yeah. yeah. One thing we need to just be guarded against and cultivate too is just a love for souls. It needs to be a focus on evangelism, obviously, a focus on intercessory prayer. And sometimes, you know, people will say, Well, I don't know, I just don't feel natural about doing that, or maybe I don't feel like I have the passion in my soul for that at the moment. Sometimes it just takes as you just mentioned, that small point of obedience, we kind of go forward first on the principle of duty and we find that, and I say this metaphorically, but we find the wind of the spirit coming underneath the sails and lifting us Amen. up and helping us Amen. do the very thing that we know we should have. And it's it's just like with um, 
the children of Israel, when the priests stepped their foot in Jordan, then it parted, but it wouldn't have done that until they took that step. And God help us, you know, even in that as well. So whatever God's speaking to us about right now, you know, for what we said here, you know, it may be that little thing that's keeping us, our listeners, all of us, maybe from a place of fruitfulness that God wants to bring us into. Yeah. And we just need to realize that the, the underlying thing here is that earnestness, that fervency, that zealousness, a little bit of, of just a, a balance to stick in here before we kind of wrap this up. Does this mean then that we always go forward at, you know, this fevered pitch, this earnestness, this zealousness or whatever, we're always just full bore, you know, going at it all the time. Is that what that means? No, no, it's not because I don't think that's what God requires. He requires us to love him with all of of our heart, but that doesn't mean that we are foolish because I think with a, a good sanctified mind, we realize that my goal is over the long term, the long haul, and what I can do to achieve the most for God would probably include me taking care of myself right now so I don't burn out within six months. Yeah, definitely. So you, I think it was Martin Lloyd-Jones, he did a series on uh, – uh, depression and the spirit or something and and one of the points was he brought up was know thyself know wow. yourself and That's he good. said you know what works for somebody won't work for you you know that person may be able to do all this tremendous amount of work and that would bury you and god knows what he's done making you so you need to know yourself and uh, i think that's what my brother's saying yeah the important part is the intensity of the heart's desire the temperature of the heart needs to be our focus there and then let that which is in here let god direct us in how that is to be directed so we don't want to get discouraged we don't want to have the weariness in the fight you know we need to slow down if need be and uh we just need to maintain that fullness keep that keep Amen. that fervency there well uh I guess just kind of concluding uh, this as well, I would just like to say that uh, we've got to keep climbing the ladder. You know, there, there's never a time where we just slide backwards and, oh, man, we just keep we, we keep taking a step. And, you know, if, if people can take seven steps when I take one, it doesn't really matter. Right. I'm just taking a step. I'm moving forward, keeping my trajectory in Amen. front of me. And I, I just wanted to say this. The, this is Isaac Watts, uh, Am I a Soldier of the Cross? Uh, This may help some of you, but he said, must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize Mm. and sailed through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace to help me onto God? Since I must fight if I would reign, increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. Hey, now that you've watched this first video, don't stop now. Check out the next video up here, or maybe you just want to go on a binge watch and look at this playlist.